Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Time to play the game where we find out who's capping. It is... This is This is the game where we find out if this is the bull Natsua. New rule. Co-producer Smarts Co. What's going on with you, sir? Everything is well with me, bro. How's everything with you, sir? We're doing well. We are doing well. We got a great episode today, Smarts. So, Keisha is back. We're doing the cuff cards with Keisha. Keisha also wanted to introduce this TikTok viral video about some question that Jasmine Sullivan had, which I thought was like some type of hotel thing all over again, but it's not as bad as you think. I don't know, man. It sounds like something that's going to get crazy to me. Okay, so it may be some trouble. It may be some trouble. (laughs) Also, I wanted to do some political science. I haven't done that in a while. Right, right. So, I got host of the Being Blunt pod, my man Sean B., from Washington, D.C. This man knows political science back and forth. He knows the American policy. He knows foreign policy. He knows black American policy. Mm. He's the ice cube you never met. That's dope. Okay? And this young man was letting me know a few things. He was letting me know what do what do the Democrat Party need to do to have black men on their side. And he also let me know why black men are into Donald Trump. I, I need to know that too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying we like also that. we also discuss which administration should take the blame for what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Should it be the Biden administration? Should it be the Obama administration? Should it be the Trump administration? Should it be the Bush administration? This man had an answer. Check mm-hmm. that out. Mm-hmm. We also talked about power. He's a big fan of power. Do you like power, the I, show? Yes, I do. So I don't know if you know this, Mars, but power has never been nominated for an Emmy. Um, and the Emmy that I'm talking about is most outstanding uh, series drama. Right, okay. And I mean, in my opinion, I'm, I'm not the biggest Power fan, but somewhere between 2014 to 2016 as far as Power, not Kanan, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But just the, the first Power, the fact that that wasn't nominated or at least won one time, I'm like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, they yeah. deserve, yeah, I think they deserve an Emmy. They, they definitely set it off. Now, out of these new series, that Kanan ain't bad, that though. That Kanan better get one. Kanan not bad at all. Now, that's that's the, uh, like, that's Little 50, basically, yes, right? Yes, yep. That's Raising Kanan. Of course, he was going to make the, sure. The performances are believable. That's his mom that he be arguing with a lot, that's right? That's his mom. She does a great job. I don't know who she is, but she does a great job. She's a great actress. Yes. And the one who plays Young 50 isn't bad either. Great, man. He's doing great. Bro, He's doing great. Joey Badass ain't doing too bad either. How about that? How about that? How about that? <laughs> we ain't gonna get into that. Yeah, yeah, let's He's go. He's doing his thing, though. Absolutely. The first one is a doozy. But check out this story. Okay, let's go. According to the New York Times, federal prosecutors said that they have charged Bill Omar Keraskio, a.k.a. YouTube Kingpin, Omi in a Hellcat. Okay, that's his YouTube name. Omi in a Hellcat and mm-hmm. two of his cronies with conspiracy, violating the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, reproduction of protected work, access device fraud, making false statements to a bank and money laundering. The scheme in question smarts involves illegally selling copyrighted video content to thousands of subscribers on Omi's very own online service, which was called at various times Reboot, Gears TV, Reloaded, and Gears Reloaded. (laughs) In June, he posted a video titled The FBI is Back, in which he filmed himself wearing a large diamond encrusted pendant that reads (laughs) his brand name Reloaded. In a doleful mood, he warned his 790,000 subscribers that the FBI has seized more than 30 of his cars and millions of dollars from his bank account that uh, he was going to be indicted on charges that could include money laundering. Right. So... Mm -hmm. This is what the indictment has. This is what this is what's uh, said in the indictment. Check this out. Mm-hmm. It was a straight streaming app. I wasn't stealing channels. I was paying for my cable boxes. I was paying for my cable service, and that's why I am so comfortable talking about it. Also, in the indictment. This is Daddy gonna talk about what happened. Right. The men obtained the content by subscribing to legitimate cable and video services from Comcast, Verizon, Charter, DirecTV, and Frontier. 
They then set up cable boxes and other devices to access the content in at least seven different homes in Philadelphia, uh-huh. California, and New York. Genius. Using encoders imported from China. Yes, sir. They stripped digital copyright protections from the video content on the devices, which allowed the content to be transmitted over the internet and copied to computer servers. Yes. Subscribers could access the video content on websites that the men had set up. The service even included a subscriber interface similar to a TV guide that allowed the users to browse a list of the programs that were available for viewing. Smarts, I ask you, is it the bull that not only Omi and a Hellcat new nickname should not only been Poppy in a blockbuster, but when he made his first $10 million, he should have called me and you so we could have helped him wash the dirty Roku money <laughs> with building an actual production company with Multiverse Studios so he could have been selling his own movies instead of movies from Paramount Pictures. Yo, they don't need to lock him up. First, it's some BS that they locking him up for in the first place. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, and it's some BS he didn't reach out to us and tell him, yo, who, they should give him a job because he did a number on them. Yes, he did. He found a loophole. Yes, he did. And he exploited it. Yes, he did. He shouldn't go to jail. They right. should be like, tell us how you did it and so we can protect ourselves from it happening to us again. Next one. Here we go, Smarts. Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada, home of Drake and The Weeknd, has announced a course entitled RTA 950, Deconstructing Drake and The Weeknd. It offers students the opportunity to formally study Aubrey and Abel's record-breaking careers. Launching in early 2022, the course will be taught by prolific writer, podcaster, and hip-hop scholar Dalton Higgins, who aims to give Drake and The Weeknd their proper academic respect while examining the Toronto hip-hop R&B scene they both arose and helped shape. Smarts, I ask you, is it the bull that for an extra grand you can also enroll in Advanced Ghostwriting 201 to have your music submitted by Quincy Miller? I, I mean, Drake? Facts. Yes. <laughs> and finally, and finally, and finally, I, I, I may get in trouble for this one. I hope not. But and finally, even though Heaven's EP clocks in just under three minutes long, Smarts. It's one of the more intense, loose releases from the grown-up Simba himself, J. Cole, who touches on themes of social media exploitation, his relevance, charismatic similarities to a young Ice Cube post-NWA, and more. And also his loss to no name. Okay, I added the last word in mm-hmm. there. But let's continue. However... His most potent flows are centered around his place within the ongoing debate of the top three rappers in the game right now, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas. I I mean him, Drake, and Kendrick Lamar. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay. In somewhat of a veiled compliment, Cole starts off by championing his own efforts above all before taking a bite of humble pie while acknowledging the stature of his competitors. I don't feel like rapping his lyrics. I'm going to read his lyrics. Okay. All right. I don't. Mm-mm. Go ahead. It's not Kendrick's, okay? Success is in the effort. So if a n- tried his hardest, I'm at peace knowing God ain't dealing in a group of cars for me. Some people say I'm running third. They threw the bronze at me behind Drake and Dot. Yeah, them n- is superstars to me. Cole continues to drop lyrical bombs fluidly as he dives into the angst that's rooted in his celebrity. Maybe deep down, I'm afraid of my luminosity. So when you see me on red carpets, I'm moving awkwardly, posing all nervous, afraid of the judgment and the thought of showing too much of my day is repugnant. Given the degree of his forthcoming verses, it's only right that he allows his competitiveness to take over as he delivers a would-be sneak diss, asserting his dominance as the true GOAT. Here we go, Smarts. The tale's official. The best breathing, it just failed to hit you. You couldn't tell because you fell for the bells and whistles. 
Smarts, I ask you. <laughs> I ask you, smart, smarts, I ask you. I ask Go you, smarts, smarts, I ask you. Go ahead. Man. Is it the bullshit that out of all the versions of black men, women can call arrogant? Nothing to show for. Good for and only. Too alpha, too beta, and too delusional about their current status in society. A light-skinned with dreads is only the third best in the roster behind a light-skinned that's a Jew and a half-black, half-Dominican? You ain't got to answer that. No, I'm not. We the light-skinned delegation slash coalition <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Everybody on they Martin, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash and burn 40 on the Yeah, I'm acting nerdy if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that it takes to make a black nation. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sweets, and I'm your chief flight attendant. On behalf of the pilot and the entire crew, welcome aboard the late night flight. And here is your captain, the Now River of New Jersey, the pilot of Tuskegee Training, the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, the creator of Black Pilot Radio and the Late Night Flight. Here is the victorious one, Nassour Nuru. What up, my passengers? We are first in priority and will be departing in five minutes. We appreciate your business. With that being said, this flight ain't cheap. Donate to the Cash App Dallas on the late night flight. Now, it might be a little turbulence, but we are predicting clear skies on our way back to Jersey. But before we do, do us a solid. Give us a like on our Facebook page. Follow us on IG to click the link tree in the bio. Chirp at us on Twitter at the late night flight. And you can catch all 61 episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Amazon. Amazon Music, Audible, The Late Night QR Scan, wherever, wherever, wherever podcasts are available. Now let's take off. Welcome back to The Late Night Flight, Nassau, new group. I got Keisha with me, and before she shares this TikTok story of Jasmine Sullivan with all of us, just want to let you know that I'm not on TikTok, okay? I'm not even on Instagram, really. I'm only on Instagram because I am pushing a podcast, the same way I used to push being a songwriter back in the day in my 20s, all right? So with that being said, the only way you would really find me the only way you would really find me is if you saw me at Little Tijuana or Papillion 25, one of these type of bars with a short sleeve shirt on and only three buttons on the short sleeve shirt because you know I only wear three buttons from the bottom up, okay? Because I got to put the chest out, you know what I'm saying? A little shea butter on the chest, got to make sure I'm glistening, you know what I'm saying? Chest is robust, bam, with an LIT in my left hand, having a drink, having a good time. But anyway, enough about me. Keisha. What happened on TikTok? So Kevin on stage used his TikTok to talk about Jasmine Sullivan's recent IG story where she asked everybody a question, uh, which was, tell me a secret you'll never tell your partner. And so the question started off as went from normal to outrageous. And wait, that's crazy. Jasmine Sullivan put this question together. I'm pretty sure her answer would be, I never told him that I went through a Liberty Mutual to pay for those windows I busted. Anyway, go ahead. What happened now? So let me remind you the question. Tell me a secret you'll never tell your partner. I fake it every time we did the deed because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Wow. I think he a little bit ugly like his mom, and I'm glad we don't have kids together. Wow. Not my man yet, but he'll never know my girl bestie be using a strap on on me. Faint talent. Hold on. Hold the phone. First of all, she is in a bisexual infidelity relationship right now. I applaud her for reminding her man that he needs to uh, get a, I believe you you said one of your male friends called it a Brazilian lift. Wow. Yes, a BDL. <laughs> <laughs> What's the so next, next one? <laughs> next one, I had sex with both her parents, both of them at the same damn time. Wow. Well, child, I had two double homicides on him and with two different men. Wow. Hold on. What is a double homicide on two different men? This this doesn't sound like a gangbang that's worthwhile. <laughs> so basically, for those of you that don't know, a double homicide is basically saying she had two abortions. 
or double abortions with two different men. Not one, but two. Never, I never. Damn, yo. So you telling me she got VIP access to Planned Parenthood. This is wild. Yo, I, I've heard that women are into this thing called being uh, bred, or I believe they call it breeding on Pornhub. Um, what say you on that? You heard about this? Breeding? So, so I heard about it, but see, this took it a step further because she actually incubated a child. Like breeding on Pornhub is just, you know, you on birth control, you're doing some extraness. Oh. We renting in the house I brought four years ago and he don't know he deposited mortgage money every month. Savagely. Wow. I save his sperm once a month just to have it. I might be a little obsessed with him. I think it's a little bit more than my sis. Wow. I want to suck his feet, but I'm scared he's going to find it weird. So I do it while he's sleeping. Wow. Disgusting. First of all, I do too many deadlifts for you to be sucking on my toes. My toes are scabby, dry, skinny. All right. Don't get me wrong. After a good <laughs> lotion, a little good shea butter in, they look like normal feet, but realistically, in the bed after two hours of just laying down watching the Netflix show. Yeah, that is not a place you should be sucking on on my body. Not at all. And besides, wouldn't he be up anyway? As soon as you touch my 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 neck, I'm huh, what what happened? Bills? What need to be paid? Oh my God. <laughs> and last but not least, I want him to bust in me, but I don't want him to be a single father. Wow. Oh my God. Are you serious? Um, didn't you tell me there was a podcast that you were listening to that was talking about this type of uh, topic, sort of? Yes. So the podcast is called Eight at the Table. And uh, one of the one of the lead um, hosts on the show was basically saying, like, he want to normalize um, dads basically taking care of their children if their mom is not available to do it. And that men should step up and do that more often. So, I mean, my question to you is, do, what, what do you think about that? Would you is that something that you would do? So are you talking about a scenario where the mother is basically saying, adios, I don't want to have anything to do with the parenting of this child. This is your responsibility. And you're going to have to basically play single dad without a mom at all. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Okay. So first of all, I'm not, I'm not going to play out the host of this podcast. I don't know this person. I'm going to just say that this is very simpy. I will say that, though. I'm going to tell you why I think mm -hmm. it's simpy. Because, first of all, first of all, that is nothing to normalize. The same way single, single mothers do not want to normalize being single parents, okay? They scream that out loud because two things. Number one, if you got your master's and you're doing everything else and, you got, and you're raising a couple of kids, Yes, you should be celebrated and there should be a parade outside for you. I will agree with you. But then on the other hand, there's single women that's just like, yo, this is a lot. This is a lot on me. Like, please don't give me your sad story about how you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. I'm raising two, three kids and I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So that's where that peril comes from. And I don't think no man wants that type of sauce. But, but I will say this. On a mental health note, imagine not having to deal with the other half for the next 18 years of your life. And especially if you're a man, you ain't got to deal with child support. Yo, you might take that sacrifice. If the judge said, yo, you got to take care of your daughter, little Stacy. If you don't want to do that, then it's going to be child support. I'd have been like, well, hold up, your honor, listen. <laughs> I'm out of here. Me and Stacy, we, we're, we're going to Mexico. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. My daughter, I love her. What are you talking about? About to take pictures right now, show y'all this is the best daughter I ever had in my life. What are you talking about? So I think that's where that comes from. I think it's more of a financial satisfaction that doesn't have to be satisfied anymore on a man's end. And then on top of it, you don't have to deal with the 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 sexual tension between you and that woman anymore. You know what I mean? Because realistically, it's a sexual tension that's still there between the baby mama and the baby father. You know what I mean? So imagine when you at the eighth grade graduation and you like, yo, damn, man. Damn, Rebecca looking good as hell. Like, <laughs> damn, yo. Rebecca and Rebecca over here, she like, yo, 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 Raheem over here looking good too, but... Man, I just had I just had sex with two men last night just to celebrate this eighth grade graduation. I can't be having you in my life no more. You a terrible man. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign, and you may now move around the cabin. 
However, we always recommend to keep your seatbelt fastened through the trials and tribulations while you're seated. In a few moments, the flight attendants will be passing around the drink menu as well as the brunch menu. We only have chicken or waffles or both. So choose wisely. And thank you for flying the late night flight. Welcome back to Late Night Flight Nassua. New rule. Keisha, look, hear me out before we do these cup cars. How dare you ask me that question? How dare you ask me that Jasmine Sullivan question? My goodness. You know, I will say this real fast, though. I, I will say this. I will say this. Um, Smarts is going to be mad, but it doesn't matter. It's my show. So, I will say this. My ex-girlfriend, who I care so much for, she's an awesome woman. I haven't spoken to her in such a long time. But I, I've told this story about five times. I'm not going to say like the, a complete story, but I will say this. I remember us having sex one time and it was a, it was a time where I, I just wasn't into it for some reason. I don't know what happened. I just wasn't into it. I mean, I did it. I finished whatever. But as soon as she was done and she had to get dressed because we was taking our mothers out to BBQs in uh, NYC, I had to go masturbate. I don't know what it was, but I had to go masturbate, right? And I'm over here, you know, I'm over here trying to get mine out. And she catches me and I'm like, oh, you know, pillow on top of my stuff. Ah, what the, you know, all that stuff. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, get one out, trying to rub one out. She's like, but why we just did it? And I just stood up trying to get to the bathroom because I'm like, look, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just go ahead to the bathroom. I guess get ready. She punched me square in the face. Square in the face. I'm talking about Rocky couldn't do a better job. I mean, damn, like, I dare you masturbate after we had sex and I thought I made you happy. And I guess that's what it was about. I guess she was mad that I didn't make her happy. Well, that she didn't make me happy, rather. And it wasn't even about happiness. It was just, I wanted to come one more time. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, mad energy. Yeah, it'd be like that. So... <laughs> How long should you date someone before you make it official? How long should you date someone before you make it official? So I feel like, you know, we all adults when we start dating. So I feel like as soon as you, as soon as you decide you want to talk to that person, you know how long you want to date them. So I, I don't think there's really a time limit, but if I have to put one, um, I think you should know at least by week four. I wish in a perfect world in a perfect world, I didn't even, I would not know anything about the art of dating until I was, until I am 35, 36 years old. Here's why. Because, because I feel as though when I meet women my age, we just get down to the basics. It, it, it don't got no time to be playing around. It's like, oh, you trying to get a house? Me too. You like going mountain climbing? Me too. You like taking trips? Me too. Let's just do it. Let's hurry up. Let's find it. Let's find out. It's weird when you're in your 20s. Everybody's just playing games because everybody want to be for the community and everything. You know what I'm saying? Everybody for the streets. Man, when you're 35, 36, it is straight to the point. You like cars? I love a good Bentley. We should buy one. Okay. That's the mission. Now you're married. What was the worst date you've ever been on? Wow. So... I went on a date when I was younger, way before they called this catfish, but I got catfish. Went up in there. We, we kind of met up with each other. We sent photos beforehand. I got there and dude looked like he had like six puppies just wrapped around his waist. Mind you, I'm not shallow like that. I, I don't mind weight, but like I would have had, I would like to know that ahead of time. So I legit peeked in and thought about leaving, but I was like, yo, it's not my thing. It's not me as a person. So I went in and sat down. I got catfish. It wasn't, it, it was, wor it was bad because I got catfished, but overall it was, it was a decent little um, meetup, but I did get the high five at the end of the day. So yeah. Hold on. So he has six puppies around him. You telling me you dated DMX before he passed away? Rest <laughs> in peace. What do you mean? Nah, I'm, I'm saying in a reference to he had a little weight on him. You know what I mean? Oh, he was coming out, okay. He was coming out the shirt around, all around. And that wasn't what he sent me pictures of. But like I said, if he would have sent me pictures of that, I'm not shallow. I would have still met him because he was a cool person. But yeah, at the end of the day, he did give me the high five to say goodbye. So that probably wasn't a good date. If someone you are dating is a bad tipper, is that a turnoff? Wow. 
this this is this question coming for me? Because I'm gonna be honest, I've been told I'm a bad tipper. So um, I literally do my math, and if it's if he giving ten percent, even though they say up to eighteen percent, I mean I'm cool with that. But I think a bad tipper is a turn off. So yeah, hold up. So you can be a bad tipper, but not the man you're dating, huh? That's what I'm saying. This this question was coming for me because now I've evolved. I used to be a bad tipper, but I'm I'm better now. But yeah, and, and I'm realizing that when I was being a bad tipper, I probably was a turn off. What are your biggest fears about relationships? Wasting my time. Like if it's not for you and you're not in it and it's and, and we just not gonna get there, don't waste my time. Be a hundred percent honest with me. We'll, you know, of course it'll hurt, but we'll dissolve it on a good note. And also don't ghost nobody. You know what I mean? Like ghosting, not cool. What would you do if your partner still keeps photos of their ex? Wow. See, these questions are speaking to me because like I legit just had this conversation with my homegirl. For me, um, that's that's the deal breaker for me, because when I enter into a relationship, I don't want I want to have 100 percent of your heart. You know, I don't care if she only got two or three percent, but I want it all. So, yeah, I, we, we definitely wouldn't be together no more. What if he didn't have any photos of his ex? Right. And then let's say four months in. Right. Four months in. You decided to go use his Hewitt Packard laptop. You had to do some work. <laughs> Honey, I got to download something. Can I just use your laptop real fast? He in the shower. All right, no problem, Keisha. I got you, boo. You good? You go over there. Boom, boom, boom. And then you hit like the download. And then all of a sudden you see this, this, this flick. Like a, a minute, 40 second flick of him in the shower with some woman. It looked like his ex, depending on uh, how you was looking at the angles. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it, from the neck up, it seemed like his ex. Would you be upset? Because you don't know when it would. You know, you don't know how long this was ago. You just saw it. So, so for me, um, I am a bit of a high head. So at first, I'd be like, "What the?" You know what I mean? And I would want to bust in the shower and be like, "Yo, what's going on?" But um, mind you, I probably would do that. I would just bust in the shower like, "Yo, what's this?" or whatever. And he like, "Oh, you know, you know, it's from a you know way back when." Then I'll be like, all right, show me that. Show like, cause I'm pretty much sure you can hit properties on there. Show me the date type thing. You know, I'm not gonna immediately accuse them, but I, I want to see the dates and and also why are you keeping this. You know. Yo, first of all, you better not walk into any bathroom talking about some. You're gonna just pull the shower curtain talking about some what is this? Cause I'll be like, girl, you better take that shirt off and get your ass in this shower. We can talk about it. <laughs> oh, we can talk about Listen, it. I, we can I, talk yeah, about like, it. Get your ass I'm in this give shower you though. I'd be like, look, you got 15 minutes with me, but after the shower, you got some explaining. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll explain everything after these 15 minutes. Trust. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Me. What the f***? This, that pilot right here. Welcome back to the Late Night Flight, Nassau. New rule. And I got one hell of a guest. He is a podcaster from the great city, state, city, state, territory, whatever you want to call it, of Washington, D.C., Chocolate City. All right. Check this man out. Uh, he runs the Being Blunt 
pod, all right, which is basically the Being Blunt podcast. I'm telling you, top 10 best political science podcast in the country right now. His name is Sean B. Sean, before you say anything, I do want to ask you, what made you do these 10-minute podcast episodes? Is what made me subscribe to you. I love it. It it The best thing I love about that podcast, that is 10 minutes. And of course, you get to the point. But in those 10 minutes, what I realize is podcast can be anything it wants to be. Whatever that host, whatever that broadcaster wants their podcast to be, it can be. So when I heard that you, and I think this was during, this was during the, the, the switch of the regime. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about the Trump administration to the Biden administration. And you were telling our black Americans to not be so, uh, brainwashed. You wasn't saying don't vote for, you wasn't saying don't vote for Biden. You was just telling black Americans don't be brainwashed into the Democratic and Republican policies that are just swirling American, uh, swirling Americans round and round. And I love that about you. But yeah, man, just explain to the people what made you want to do those type of episodes. You know what, bro? First of all, man, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of your show as well, man. So you certainly keep me up on entertainment news and and everything. I love the fact that you encompass everything in your podcast. So big ups to you, man. Nas, you, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. For me, right, it, it really boiled down to the fact that most of my friends and associates, they all just had busy, busy schedules. And as I was starting off and I was getting some early feedback, people were like, yo, Sean, I love what you do, but man, I only have a little bit of time between feeding the kids, getting ready for work, working out, going to, going to work and the, the, the numerous things that they do throughout the day. Yes. And I thought like, wow, okay, I might be losing some folks because they, they, in other words, man, most folks have this attention deficit, man. Yeah. Folks can't stay focused very long, right? You add that on top of the fact that people have busy schedules. I then started shifting toward giving what I call chunks of nuggets mm. in five minutes, you yes. know, and I called it the five minute podcast. And what happens, it might extend to about seven minutes when you start adding in the theme music and your outgoing music. And, and it seemed to work. And all of a sudden people were like, yo, I love it. I listen to it on my way to work or I listen to it on my lunch break. It is perfect. It gives me a right amount of information. It's timely information. And the fact, you know what? It doesn't take me an hour. And I'm not taking any shots at people who have our podcast. Right, right, but right. most folks struggle with long podcasts. So I just said, you know what? Let me give it to them in a chunk, a chunk of information in five minutes. Sean, you, you know? know what? Before we even get into Biden in Afghanistan, I want to let you know about that because because what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Now, yes, I am one of those type of people that do have an hour or less podcast. Now, for me, when I first started my podcast, Sean, I was like this to my team. Oh, I am not doing a two-hour podcast at all. <laughs> I don't care what Joe Button doing. I mean, that's Joe Button. You know what I mean? Like Joe Button had a national hit. He could do whatever he want. If he said I'm doing a four-hour podcast, he's still right. going to get a hundred thousand people to check him out. Exactly. I may not be a nobody, but I am a no name and I am hip to that. I understand that. So I want what I what I chose to do with my podcast, even though it is, I would say an hour, but 50 minutes to an hour, I broke it down in segments. I am not going to do the the 50 minute long form one-on-one talk with someone about six different things in this 50 minutes and not have any structure. I just wanted to break things down, make it more of a show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very entertaining show, by the way. Thank Love you. It. Thank you. And I, I learned from uh, Arsenio Hall. I, I like to think of myself <laughs> as the audio version of Ars- Arsenio Hall. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. And look, it took me a while to get there, too, because I my, my earlier shows did extend an hour. I also started with a partner. And even then I struggled because my partner was a talker. Yeah. And so she could even see when we were podcasting together that even my body was saying, OK, I'm tired. You know, it was shifting. It was getting a little uneasy in that seat. And she was like, okay, I can see right now you're not down with long podcasts. And I'm like, I don't think I am. I don't think I'm cut out for it. Well, hold on. Speaking of people that are older, transitioning in a seat. All right. Let me tell you what's going on with Biden right now. Okay. Mm. So Mm. I was watching last week tonight with John Oliver. This is one of my favorite shows. This is the show that puts me on my political science game. 
I could write notes about what's going on in that week by watching Last Week Tonight by John Oliver. That's just my mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. I'm watching this, right? And what I saw, this is this is what I saw. I saw this image. It made me cringe. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm one of those type of people where I'm not saying that I'm, I'm America, America first. It's just that I'm just trying to get some American news. I don't necessarily, not saying I don't want to know what's going on around the world. It's just like, it's so much going on in the States. I just want to make sure I know what's going on in the States. But when I saw a bunch of Afghanistan citizens, I'm not going to call them refugees yet. They were in Afghanistan. About eight, 900 Afghanistan citizens inside this U.S. plane, just like sitting uh, crisscross applesauce. You know what I mean? They was just Mm -hmm. laying down, sitting there, and they're trying to take flight. You seen people on the wings of the plane like they thought they was Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, first of all, when they take off, where were you going? You know, but I don't get into that. But <laughs> more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, what I heard was this administration has re-signed a contract with the Taliban. Huh? Yes, the Taliban. So they can do whatever they want with with Afghanistan, so as long as you don't touch anyone that represents the USA, anyone that looks like us, which is basically Caucasian people named Matt and Mike, don't touch us, okay? And they're like, sure, no problem. They have slaughtered Afghanistan at this point. Right. And Biden is at UN meetings talking about, well, okay, look, 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 Taliban, they want to do whatever they want to do, but we just ask you guys to have women's rights and, you know, do a lot of stuff through diplomacy, democracy, you know, the American way. And they like, yeah, sure, sure. We ain't doing none of that. Women are getting kicked out of school right now. There are little girls in Afghanistan that's getting sent home by the Taliban regime saying, no, girls, get, get out of here. So they're about to do some 1920s. They're about to do some rolling 20s stuff going on right now. Sean, educate me as a, as a young black American. Who's to blame for this situation? And what should I, as an American, whether I'm black, white, Hispanic, brown, whatever the case may be, what should I take from this? You know, Nas, that's an excellent question, man. That's an excellent question. And let me see if I can unpack it real quick, because I can't even say that Biden is the reason. I I think this would have to go back a couple administrations. The only, believe it or not, and some people may not like what I'm about to say. The, the the one president that I think I could give somewhat of a pass to is the Bush administration, because obviously he went there after America was attacked on September 11th. Right. You know, he went there to go hold the folks accountable for attacking this country and killing over 3000 of our American citizens. Right. Totally understand that if he messed up anywhere throughout his policies at some point in time during the success of cleaning out Afghanistan, he then diverted to Iraq. So he pulled troops from Afghanistan and sent them over there to Iraq, supposedly to continue to try to flush out Al-Qaeda. So that's one thing right there. I can give him a pass. Let's fast forward a little bit to Barack Obama. Barack Obama now inherits this this 20-year war. So initially, he, he was thinking, like, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this war and not pass it down to the next president? So, But ultimately, what happened was, he started seeing a resurgence of a group called the Taliban. They were starting to make their way back into Afghanistan. Now, from an intelligence perspective, you can't have that because the Taliban, they do what? They provide a safe haven for Al-Qaeda. And then we're back to square one where you have this terrorist group training again to make another attack on the U.S. or U.S. allies. So Obama at that time was forced to bring in 30,000 more troops. They call it an insurgence. And so he brought in 30,000 more troops. And all of a sudden we swole up to about what, 98,000 total of troops that was there in the U.S. And so during that time, if you remember shortly after that, he ended up catching bin Laden over there in Pakistan. Right. Right. And then, and from that point, he decided, well, okay, I'm making some headway. Counterintelligence is working. I'm going to start drawing down these troops as opposed to keeping his foot on that pedal. Because, you know, again, these guys use guerrilla warfare. They don't necessarily fight U.S. troops hand in hand. What they do is go up in the mountains. They go in in people's houses and hide in people's houses and threaten them that if you tell somebody I'm here, I'm going to kill you. So they were just sitting there the whole time quietly, just going to wait out the U.S.'s presence. So probably if he made a mistake, it was probably drawing down those troops and 
really giving them a deadline. So that's the thing I have with the media and sometimes our administration. They're going to announce to you what their next plans are. So you don't think that Taliban and Al-Qaeda saying, oh, well, Obama's saying we're going to be out by 2016. So we're just going to wait them out. And that's exactly what they did. They basically weighed them out and the drawdown did not really happen completely. And then boom, Obama was gone out of the office and then here comes Trump. Now, Trump, I give Trump, I give Trump a little credit and I don't like to say that much right, understood. about that, but that administration. Understood. But he, he did warn about a hasty retraction of troops there because he realized or maybe his advisors advised him that that will be a very problematic situation because the minute you pull U.S. presence out of there, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda is going to be right back there. So you got to do that strategically. But the mistake that he made is, A, he stopped the peace talk between the U.S. government, the Taliban, and the Afghan president. He says, no, nah, we're not going to talk. We, we, we're not going to even do this. We're going to do our own thing. And what he turned around and did is set up an agreement with the Taliban. You know, so he basically <laughs> said, to the, to the Afghan president, now I'll negotiate with the Taliban. Now, that had to be demoralizing to the Afghans, right? Absolutely. Because the Talibans are part of the group that's been basically sitting up there terrorizing these folks. Right. And you now get in bed with the U.S. president to set policies and treatments? Right. That, you know what I'm saying? You can imagine that those folks probably felt so demoralized at that point, they didn't know what to think. Now, Fast forward, last step here, we're here in Biden's administration. Biden administration basically said, hey, he was never for being in Afghanistan to begin with, if you go all the way back to when he was a vice president with Barack Obama. So now that he's president, the first thing he wants to do is draw his troops up out of there. And he probably gets the worst lick because he was very unorganized with it. He actually sped up the withdrawal dates. You know, he made things happen even quicker. Oh. And as a result, what you saw on television is the result of that decision right there. And sadly, we still have American citizens that were left behind, and we have allies who had helped us in this 20-year war left behind. And they were promised to be able to come to the U.S. and perhaps be U.S. citizens themselves to get out of this ever-changing territory that's about to go back to the old ways it used to be. We're about to get to our next destination, but before we do, we strongly recommend to drink responsibly and pass that bong to me. You feel me? <laughs> I got bars. Oh, and give us a follow on Instagram at The Late Night Flight. And give us a like on Facebook, The Late Night Flight. And thank you for flying The Late Night Flight. Welcome back to The Late Night Flight, Nassua. New rule. Sean B. of the Bean Blunt Pod. Please check this man out. He's on Spotify. He's on Apple Podcasts. Are you anywhere else other than those two uh, platforms, Everything, brother? brother. Everything. I'm on all platforms. You feel me? See, this is why these two HBCU alumni over here, we on the same page. You know what I'm saying? We are wherever podcasts are available. We're not just two platforms, America, okay? We're everywhere. We are everywhere. So I want to just ask you, a lot of different political questions within a 10 minute span because me being this black American, a young black American, I would say my my passion for political science, my passion for the laws that are in this country, they expand as far as my local government. I'll be honest. I'm from I live in Newark, New Jersey, a black American town, black and brown American town. I am very into the local government, the local politics that I that I that I uh that I live amongst. But as far as American politics, I don't, not saying that I don't know, I'm versed. It's just that if it's not knocking on New Jersey's doorstep, I may not be paying attention. But you sound like you know all of this. So I have questions, all right? You ready for me? Go for it. Okay. So before I even give you a question, I want to show you three hip hop guys, right? These are these are three hip hop dudes that was at a Trump rally. I believe this was at the... uh the MAGA, the Million MAGA March. All right, just check, just check this out. Let, let, let me know what you think about this. Wait, here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ain't nobody taking it. Come. 
gun-toting, Bible-reading, God-believing troops, speaking American, it's MAGA season, Democrats committing treason, I know. Hold on, my man said it's MAGA season, Democrats committing treason. He was going off, man. He was going off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, so I brung that intro in because here goes my question. Why are black American, black American men in particular, are into Trump? What happened? What, what, where is the connection at? Man, wow, that is an excellent question. And here's, here's my, my, my feedback and my opinion on that. Okay. So many administrations, um, I think black men have been overlooked. I don't think the things that we care about are a priority to any of the administrations. And it could be a fault of our own because black women are outvoting us. Right. Right. And as a result, they seem they are probably being catered more by politicians because they are such a huge black powerful voting block. We sometimes, unfortunately, as black men, we're we're not in that blo- at, at voting block. And I think what happened is the Trump administration sees that situation that black men are not necessarily happy with the Democratic Party, which is probably why that rapper alluded to it, to be honest with you. Right. And it, and it's sad because you did start to see more and more black men start to lean toward Trump and his campaign and his rhetoric and his his platform. And it was it was it, it really was hurtful, to be honest with you. But I, I, I get it because right now we're dealing with the lesser two evils, because, again, Democrats are not doing it either. So they're like, okay, we've we've been under the Democratic rule for years and we still have yet to advance. We still cannot get, you know, voting rights if we did any type of jail time and so many other things that's going on with us as black men that they was like, the hell, let's just give the other guy a try. Is my honest opinion on where I think you started to see some of that. And then the other part is the financial gain. Because now some of them, particularly some of our rappers who probably live in a different financial bubble. Right, right. They're looking for somebody who's going to save their money and help them keep and maintain their money. And Trump is all about the money. All if you live, You know what I'm saying? If you live above a, a certain level financially, hey, maybe your tax cuts are going to help me keep my, my 1.2. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get behind this dude right here. So let's switch it to the Democrats. What can Democrats really, truly do to have the black family advocate the Democratic Party? Because obviously, from what you just told me with the last answer about the about Republican Republicans, I'm sorry, black Americans, black American men being uh, a lot for Trump. What can the Democrats do? What can they sell the black men on of today to say, hey, look, we, we did mess up a little bit, but. We got something in store for you. Trust me. This is not going to make you jump with Ice Cube and, and figure out what the Black Panther Party is going to look like. We got something for you. What, what can that look like for us? Unfortunately, man, that's, that's, that's going to be tough, and I'll tell you why. I'm not sure if you've even noticed, but the Democratic Party right now is splintered. You got moderate Democrats, and you got progressive Democrats. So they are fighting in-house right now with each other. So until they come together as one, they'll never be able to share a message with us to make us want to look at them. It's it's sad because if a Trump-like candidate comes back around, you might see even more of us look to the other side, simply because the Democrats do not have their act together now. Sad story, but it's true. In 2024, can you tell me a young politician or a young public figure that is under 50 years old that you would say we as black Americans should keep our eye on. They may be a very, 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 very good candidate to be our next president. You know, off the bat, I would say, and I'm not exactly sure of his age. I might have to research this once I get off with you, but I think I would tell everyone to keep an eye on Gavin Newsom. He's the current governor of California. Very bright individual, very smart. And the fact that, you know, California is one of the larger states in the United States. So he is working with a diverse population every day. So I think he has a great grasp on working with a diverse country. I think his ideals are somewhat, they could be progressive and they could be middle of the road. But I think when it comes to minorities, 
And again, he sits out there where you have a Latin community out there all day long. He knows how to walk that walk and talk that talk. Now, yeah, he just went through a potential recall out there, but that's because the, the bar is so low to have a governor recall out there in California. Once you get X amount of signatures, you can institute a recall. But to be honest with you, he's a very bright and sharp young man. And I encourage everyone to keep their eye on him. I do think probably he may not even finish out his second term if he decides to run. But I think he might be a one to look at because I'm not exactly sure if Kamala Harris, who's our first female black president, vice president, that is. Same thing. I, I got you. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I don't think that she's going to be she's going to probably be beat up so bad. By 2024. Mm. And let's keep in mind, she wasn't really popular when she ran the first time around. Right. I don't think that she's going to have much of a chance the second time if she tried to run for president. So you have to start looking beyond Kamala Harris and probably look at someone like Newsom out there in California. Governor Newsom, I mean, he can't even control the the wildfires. I mean, how are we going to expect him to get rid of the magas out out of Capitol Hill? Come on. (laughs) Come on, Sean. No, I'm just playing. I had to get one in. I had to get one in. I had to get one in. Come on. What the f***? This that pilot right here. Welcome back to the Late Night Flight Nassua. New rule. Sean B. We was just talking behind the scenes of the Late Night Flight. Of course, you can check us out. We are everywhere, wherever podcasts are available. Of course, the Being Blunt pod. Also, wherever podcasts are available, we have connected. You already know. You ever uh, heard that song? Well, I don't know the name of the song, but it's on the Watch the Throne album. And uh, it's the, I believe it's on a RZA beat. And all you hear in the background is, uh, uh, we we in the RZA connect. That's how I feel about us right now. We connecting, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just can't make that bar up. Be like, the being blunt in the late night flight connect. I can't do it, you know what I'm saying? But that's, that's that's what was on my mind when I thought about it. Like, yeah, man, like two... Two, two black men connected, you know what I'm saying? We just building over here. We building, we building. Most deaf, most deaf. So we also <laughs> wanted to build on this show called Power. Now, Power is, let's just be, let's be real. Power is, it's not polarizing in the black community. This is, this is life. This is a lifestyle now in the black community. It's so big. We 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 forgot to get mad about ghost dying in power, like the 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 first power dropping off. They're giving us this Canaan and this this ghost story. We like, yeah, now nah, give us this too. We take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. I'm reading this article. Um, it was from a varietyfair.com, and they were talking about 50 Cent saying that he deleted this post. He put it on, uh, well, a tweet rather, not a post. It's a, it's a tweet when it's on Twitter. It's the same damn thing. But anyway, he deleted this tweet saying that there is still a colored folks bathroom at the Emmys. He's upset with the fact that Power, which has been a great show. I, I may not be a big fan of the show, but it's still a great show. It's been out since 2014. It has never been nominated Best best Drama Series, which is crazy. Like I, I, Again, Crazy. I'll tell you what I dislike about Power, but we'll get to that in a second. But Sean, you are a Power fan. How in the hell, how in hell, right, can a show like Walking Dead or a show like Game of Thrones where, like you was talking about in the, in the behind the scenes, it's water cooler conversations at this point. It's Twitter conversations at this point. People are watching, doing watch-alongs with Power. Everybody is in on it. It's so much buzz it's a great show as far as how it's pieced together, the writing, the acting, the cinematography of it. It's a great show. How is it not nominated? And how could it at least not win at least one time? At least 2014, 2015, 2016. One of those years, because the first three seasons of Power, I must say, was well put together. Sean, what's going on with the Emmys right now? You know, Nas, I, I think one of the things that we need to do, man, is we need to step away from getting this validation from Hollywood. Okay. You know, this issue has been ongoing, not only at the Emmys, but the Oscars, the Grammys. And when we get snubbed, you know, we start, we start screaming foul and we've been screaming foul for years. We just have to be honest that these folks do not respect our culture and respect what we love. Right. Because the truth of the matter is I, I, I do agree with 50. I mean, right now, he has the golden ticket, man. He has Black America on lock. 
all of us are talking about power. Yes. We're always talking about the future power shows that are on the way. Not to mention, what is it on September 26th? You're going to see the Black Mafia family. Oh, yeah. All that is 50s thing, right? Oh, yeah. 50 has us locked in. And the fact that they can't even take time to acknowledge this brother of the work that he's doing, the people that he's employing, the success that this is having. And look, stars would not be as successful if it wasn't for a 50s brand of bringing these shows over there and giving us something entertaining to watch. Every Monday morning, you see people trending, talking about the episode before. You know, Facebook, Instagram, everybody has something to say about the previous episode that occurred on Sunday night. What was it? Saturday night. But needless to say, everybody's talking about it. So this man has us on lockdown and you can't even embrace this and acknowledge this. I have to agree with 50. And what we need to do, man, is, hey, we, we, we need to stop looking for that validation from Hollywood. We're not going to get it. You know, I am, I we am need so to come up with something better. We need to come up with something better to say, 50, we recognize you. Mm. We see you. We appreciate you, brother. All right. So this is where I'm torn at because everything you said was right. You are 100% correct. And honestly, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I, I think people should tune into that BMF. I, I think that's going to be pretty good. Oh, it, my it, God, yeah. It looks really good. Okay, yeah. so here's where I'm torn. And I feel bad that I'm saying this because I shouldn't have a super issue with this. Here's my thing. And and I think it's the geek in me that's about to, that's about to speak out loud, but, but I, I have to speak. I'm sorry, I'm being honest. So here's the reason why I wasn't necessarily a big fan of power. And and it, this shouldn't be this shouldn't be an issue. So that's why I'm, I I want you to 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 reply to me, say whatever you need to say about me is fine. Here, here's my thing. This about to sound so geeky. So when it comes to black cinema, I feel as though this is a go-to for us. And and it's, mm. I, I shouldn't say that out loud like that because the brown community, Hispanics they can do the Queen of the South drug cartel thing, and it's all good. And it's all good. With this, I, I'm like, all right, so this is wire light for, for the most part. But mm-hmm. but it's, it's done well. Like, I'm not going to knock it. It's done well. But why can't I get a different version of Black America? Why does it always have to be at this street level? I don't, I don't come from a street level. I used to be a songwriter. For 10 years, Sean, I had to I had to cosplay a semi-gangster to at least get people that like rap, black men, to be like, yeah, yo, that, that's that's hard. You know what I mean? You know how it is. That's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And that bothered me because when I sit back and watch TV now, I see the Kendrick Lamar, the J. Cole, the Kanye West, even the Drake of the world where I'm like, oh my God, none of these dudes are gangster. And they are on top of the industry. Right. Why can we, why are we not making that type of art as far as art where it can even get that type of appeasement where we're doing water cooler talk? Because there are shows like Greenleaf or uh, um, uh, any shows that Tyler Perry have, which of course is, is thumbs down for me. I'm sorry, but, I'm, but, I, but I will give him shine. Tyler Perry do put out work for black Americans. Can't knock him on that. But it's not at the level of what I guess black Americans are saying that of what 50 is bringing out right now. So am I am I crazy for saying these type of things? I, I, it's like I just feel like we can make more than New Jack City and, and, and New Jack City can be what New Jack City was and is like that's that's a classic. And I just feel like 50 Cent, although, again, shows look they look very good. I just. I, maybe I, well not maybe I'm a little tired of the New Jack City reenactment, and I want something different. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can I speak to that? Can okay. I speak to that? Please? Yes. First of all, man, uh, if if we if, if we were in the same room, I'd be dapping you up. Okay, you why I'm dapping you up? <laughs> I, thought gonna, I thought he was going. I thought he was about to hook you. I'm like, look, my man, you already like you know, so you look kind of stocky with this hoodie. I mean, with your hoodie and your scully on. Please don't come to Newark with that with that sauce. I don't need that right now. All right, <laughs> hey, I've seen the muscles on you, bro. I can't hang. Look, <laughs> here's the thing, man. It, the the first problem is we lack diverse black shows out there. Okay. Right. That's one thing. And then if there are some, they're hard to get to because they may not be on the the major networks. Everybody doesn't have cable direct TV. Not everyone can even get access to Netflix. So you only have 
you know, you get access to 50 and I'm like you. I, I hate that we have to go to this gangster role all the time and they are very successful for us. At the same time, I, I cringe because you say, you know, you wonder about the perception that this gives to the rest of the world that we are all like that. Right. And you you can't stand that aspect of it either. Personally, I look at all shows. All right. I look for all black shows right. and anything that fits my type of humor and my interest. So I get that. I probably support power because I like to support my fellow black man and I want him to be successful. But at the same time, I cringe at this 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 perception that we're having that this is the only lane that we can play in. Right. Secondly, it's sad. And this goes and I'm not taking a, a, a ding at the younger generation or older generation. But it seems like as, as I read the feedback from some of the comments after every one of these episodes, I'm, I'm amazed at how people want to see the gunshots, the blood, the heads being blown up. People are just so like, oh, this was a boring show because no one got killed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And so there's a thirst for that too, believe it or not. So if you have that, particularly if you're, if, if you're a person of color and you're producing such a show and you're doing that, people are on it like, yeah, this was a badass show. This, this show was tight. But will they go look at a Queen Sugar? You know, where they're talking about this family that's that's coming up, raising sugar cane down there in New Orleans, Louisiana, right. and the struggles that they have right now dealing with the pandemic and dealing with racism down there and just the struggles of an everyday black family? Probably not. They said that show is boring. But me personally, Greenleaf, Queen Sugar, these type of shows, I love them all. Thank you for flying the late night flight. Shout out to all the pilots who contribute to the fastest rising podcast. If you want to contribute, DM us at The Late Night Flight. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is some pilot right here. 